welcome to the Out of Towners Football Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Simon. Um, and this is probably, I mean, how long has it been? Uh, I don't want to say. Since a general one. I mean, it's not, it's, relatively speaking, it's not that long since we did our Chorley Victory Park edition. No, but, that's a few weeks, isn't it? But um, a proper Out of Towners original podcast. It's been, it's been well, it's a thirdly podcast, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, we were saying just over a third, just under a third. 12 games out of 38. So Whichever we'll say, way we do it, it's not good enough. <laughs> it's not, no, it really isn't. Um, so much has happened since we've been away. There is absolutely no way we can kind of cover it all. So I think what we'll probably do is just kind of reset to the last match week. I think that's the best I thing. I think week 12 is probably the best for us to start and we'll, we'll track back from there. Um, yeah, so I mean... We don't we don't really need to talk about the top of the table. That's not interesting to anybody. I think it's interesting to everybody, but we'll leave that towards the end. So just kind of build up to that, I think, because... I've got a lot to talk about with that one. Really? <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. Just remember, I mean, we may have forgotten this, but we are an unbiased Un- podcast. Unbiased, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, it's been a relatively rocky start, 12 games for, for the Newcastle. It if has. we're going to start there. Yeah, um, start with your club, yeah. I think, I think, you know, it won't seem that far back in terms of podcasts where I was probably on the microphone morning about um, the hiring of Steve Bruce and how mm. that's probably the wrong direction um, I remember it was warm because we were outside we, we were, were in it. the back garden yeah <laughs> um, but I mean 12 games later and he's doing okay um, I think he's getting the best out of some of those players into defenders more than which, than any other which is something you were worried about because that was Rafa's kind of forte wasn't it, it getting the best out of what, was. what was available to him but I mean <laughs> We've got so many defenders that if one's not firing, we can throw another one in, you know. Um, in terms of what we've just heard this week is Jamal's out f- until the new year, yeah. which, I mean, is bad. He's our captain. Um, he does keep blow. us going. It is a it blow. Is a blow. Yeah. But when you think uh, Shah and Leisureman is coming back... Kieran Clark's been... Uh, yeah. Played. So we, we, we're not sure in that terms, but it's, it's going to be a tough... Tough run into Christmas. It is anyway. I think it just adds to that. But to say we're in thirteenth and there's You've, there's what seven points between us and Watford who are in eighteenth. So you know that's that's pretty good at this stage. I'm I'm, think, pre- I'm pretty happy. I think most Newcastle fans would have taken that at the start of the season, going into December being thirteenth. Like I said, um, how many points off Watford? Seven. Yeah, so seven points off, off the drop. You're unbeaten in three, so you've won your last two. You've draw, drew drew the one before that, so you've actually only lost one in five in the form table. Um, yeah. So, it's it's I'd say it's looking very positive. We have I think we have spoken. Have we done a podcast? I think we did a podcast where we spoke about your win against United because Tom was with us. I'm sure we did, uh, which is actually only a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's not long ago. Yeah, um, I remember. Last time we did a podcast was thirteenth of October, so yeah, it would have been. Yeah, about a month ago, uh, which is still far too. Yeah, because I titled it Newcastle now have a world class manager. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I remember talking last time, and uh, last last time out it was a very positive kind of Newcastle spin on it. Obviously, having Tom there and he, with his United hat on before we spoke about any other club could be a Chorley one today. It would be with the, with Chorley winning. Um, so that was very positive. We talk, talked about. The moves that Bruce made for that game, the changes being Clark, it was Clark he brought in. Yeah, for that he game, was. Yeah, it? obviously Matty Longstaff starting with his brother. 
Um, so there does seem to be a positivity around Newcastle, and, and it's amazing. I mean, it, it, it happens everywhere. But when things are going relatively well on the pitch, not a lot is aimed up at Ashley. Uh, same with United. When you know, when well, you think he'd going, latch on, wouldn't you? You think he'd think, oh, I've got a positive. Here. I'll yeah. put a bit of money at the club, and I'm not saying he hasn't put any money. In. No. I know I'm very negative towards Mike Ashley, and I know he has put money in, but that's money he's been promising for years, yeah. and it's not enough money that he's been promising. Not at the for moment, years. but he's. But you've got to. I don't say take it from his point of view because I, I just wouldn't want him owning my football club. But he's been able to be the owner of a football club with Rafa, who have kind of gone down and then come back up again. He's he's had a manager like Rafa who's kept them in the Premier League on a shoestring. Um, and it is a shoestring. Exactly. I think I read something this morning um, that our wage expenditure over the last, like, well, over Ashley's reign, he has absolutely demoralised. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's the lowest it's ever been, which yeah. you can't run a football club like No, that. no, but he has done. And he, the last couple of seasons, Rafa's kept you up on that shoestring wage budget. And, and I think that says wood, more about Rafa. I know, but then touch wood, he could have done, he could have looked out again and found a manager in Steve Bruce who could do the same, who could keep you up on a shoestring. So if he's able to keep looking out this way and having managers who can do a job there on a shoestring, why would he put money in? Like, why Why would he do that? He's He's been able to kind of tread water to a degree. I said tread, I say tread water. It's not like Newcastle finished just outside the drop zone the last couple of years. Kind of, they finished mid-table. Uh, but that's all been because, I'd say, uh, a mix of having to fight relegation uh, for so long, maybe just over half a season, coupled with other clubs around them taking the foot off the gas when they felt safe. So Newcastle were able to kind of propel themselves up the league. But um, why would Mike Ashley pump millions and millions in when he's been able to keep them up in the Premier League the last few years? We'll put it this way. Um, he came in in, what, 2008? We've had this. I'm sure we've had this discussion. But yeah, go on. And the wage was at £168 million. Which I think is still low for a football club, relatively. Yeah. Um, he's now rock bottomed it, rock bottomed it to about a hundred million. So he's taken which, sixty-eight million off the wage bill, the annual wage bill. Yeah. And he's, I know he's not. And he's kept, not he's, put he's, that he's back not, in the club. I know, but he's not, and he's also not kept them in the Premier League for that whole tenure. Mm. But he has the last few years, and he could have very easily looked out with Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce might not be the best tactical manager, but he's made some very good tactical decisions over the last couple of months at Newcastle he has but, and but I'm I also think, too negative no no I know and to be fair you have kind of like turned it around a little bit with the spin on Steve Bruce but what I would say and I've said this to you all season the players will respond to him he's a passionate guy about Newcastle Football Club and I don't who think, managed Sunderland yeah he did of course but football's football like <laughs> it doesn't matter you've got lads in the Liverpool Academy oh, so if Marco Silva was a Liverpool fan and he came in in 10 years time you'd be no, if right. he was a quality manager at that time then I'd be fine with it but he's a, he's a rubbish manager so it's it a bit like he's shocking yeah exactly Absolutely and we'll shocking. come on to that in a bit but Steve Bruce has Newcastle in his blood like it's his family's team and I don't think that should be underestimated when he's talking to the players because he'll be able to convey that kind of magpie passion to yeah, those yeah, players yeah, yeah. and people say oh it doesn't matter you get you get fans of clubs man uh, managing clubs and it doesn't work out yeah exactly but this might be one of those times where that kind of passion translates onto the pitch. Yeah, and, and it is doing. Yeah, yeah, they doing. are playing passion. I think the one thing Steve needs to do at this point now is um, hire a new attacking coach because Sit Maxim and Almir and, and Jones. They're just not getting the numbers. They're just That's shy. The problem. They're just too shy. I mean, they're shy. The, they're too shy. 
Right, I just wanted to make sure, yeah, that we didn't have to put the parental oh, advisory sorry. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, no. They, yeah. I mean, Julington's not getting the service. But that was always going to be that way. Um, I think he's a good player. Like, he was a handful at Anfield. He really was. Um, I know we beat you on that day. But um, he, he's a handful. He holds a ball up. The thing is, as long as he's okay being the unselfish striker and holding the ball up for the others, for the midfield to join the attacks, then I don't see what the problem is. No. Alma, mean, it's Almiron that I think needs to... Oh, he just needs to bag a scrappy one. He just needs to bag. Like he yeah. needs, he needs better numbers. Although, to be fair, have you seen some of the misses in the recent weeks? He's, he's had goals with no goalkeeper in them, and he's still missed. But the thing is, you see chances that he put away in the MLS, and I know the MLS is is such a poor quality. But the, the goal, po- the goalposts are still the same. Yeah, exactly. Goalposts yeah. are still the same. There's still a human being standing in between them, yeah. however poor they are. And he's still hitting the target in, in the MLS, yeah, he and he's is. not doing it. Yeah. I just think he just needs to get out of his own head. He needs to score one off his ass. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and then he'll be away. Yeah. Saint Maximin is exciting. He is. He it, tore United apart. I remember absolutely. I mean, he's he's a bit like a headless chicken. He's a bit like Theo Walcott with feet. <laughs> you know, early, early days Theo Walcott who could absolutely vomit down a wing. But you're telling he, me that Theo Walcott isn't a kid with wonderful potential now. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, he's like now? 33, so maybe he's just out of that. But then again, Jesse yeah. Lingard is apparently Jesse still Lingard, a kid. Yeah, great potential, but Jesse Yeah, Lingard. it just reminds me of, of Walcott with feet. Because Walcott yeah. could bomb it down the wing, look absolutely amazing, till he got to the point where he had to kick the ball yeah. to someone else. It's still the same. And then it all unravelled. It's still the same. But Maximum, he can he can manoeuvre the ball inside, and he's had some really decent shots that way. I think he's... He looks so unorthodox when he runs with the ball oh it's it's like watching a giraffe on ice it is it is it's very much <laughs> but it works I mean it does, you look yeah. at the United game he took about seven United players yeah, with him yeah. I don't even think he knew which way he was going I think do that's remember, what it was you, you obviously remember like primary school football when you're coaching that yeah, was, and if you're coaching like the like the receptions or whatever it's just like a swarm of bees towards the ball yeah. that's what the like defenders are like around Maxman mm. he's away and they're just like running after him but he doesn't understand which way he's going himself so how are defenders supposed to no, follow no I agree but then that's, I think that's, that's Newcastle United coaching. I think it's I think it's an unpredictability. Like it was like it was a little bit like Suarez. I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as Suarez, but when Suarez was with us, what you knew was he would just try and run through players. He'd never ever try and like dance round about eight players. Yeah. He'd literally just try and run through them and he'd get ricochets off their shin, he'd put the ball through their legs, and it'd always break for him because he always seemed to know where it'd break. Yeah. But the defenders would have no clue. And it's a little bit like that with yeah. maximum. Like he he he'll run at players, and I know he's a bit. More I don't dynamic. think he knows where he's going. No, exactly, and that's what makes it hard for a defender to pick <laughs> him up. But it was, a, I mean, we started on Newcastle. Um, it was a big big result, two one at home against Bournemouth. Bournemouth Bournemouth haven't particularly hit the strides, but they're they're a standard Premier League team. They've had a few good results. They'd beaten they'd beaten United just like Newcastle yeah. had beaten United. So I think at the minute, I think set pieces are working really well for us. Obviously, this is a big um, a big focus. From Steve, from Steve yeah. um, and that's okay because you look at where we are, and if we're making something from fifty percent of our set pieces, I mean, how many do you get a game? Yeah, I mean, four or five. So if, if you're making something happen <laughs> from two or three, you're gonna get lucky, aren't you? At some I mean, point. B- I mean, Bournemouth are in ninth, albeit they've only won one in five with a couple of draws. But they're in ninth in the Premier League, so to beat them, even though it is at home for Newcastle, it's a big result, and it kind of puts you not far 
away from them. They're on sixteen points. Yeah, you're I on mean, fifteen. So yeah. you brought you brought yourselves within a point of them. So well, I'll put it big... this way: we are what we're two points away from fifth. Yeah. <laughs> That's mad, that. It is so mad. Newcastle are 13th and two points off fifth. It is so bunched up from fifth all the way. I mean, you've got... All the way down to 16th. Yeah, so you've got... Well, no, you could even have Aston Villa in there, I suppose. So, yeah, so there's six points separating Sheffield United in fifth yeah. and Villa in 17th. That's mad. That's a smaller gap than there is between Liverpool in first and Leicester in second. Yeah. There's eight points between Liverpool and Leicester yeah. and then sixth between fifth and seventeenth. That is mad. I don't it I don't remember that. I don't remember ever seeing it that bunch. And you look at some of the teams who were below us. Tottenham, Everton, West Ham. All teams that have spent far more money than yeah. you. Villa have spent far more money I than mean, you. we're gonna talk about some of the games aren't we but just looking at who the top goal scorers are, I mean Leicester City we can't carry on with this podcast without mentioning just how Brilliant, they've been. I yeah, mean, I mean, back to the Premier League. I think my brother win. Yeah, but I think my brother mentioned that they've actually got more points on the board now mm. at this stage of the season than they did when they won the league yeah. a few years back. I mean, and, and it's it's this resurgence of Jamie Vardy. It is. I think it, eleven goals in twelve games. It is in the Premier League. I have a feeling that's two things. I mean, take away Vardy's just exceptional like goal scoring skill because that's just there for everyone to see. I think it's a mix of him. Retiring essentially or stopping playing for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that means he can rest in between the games. But he himself said, even at this age, I think he's what 32, 33 now. Is he? Or is he thirty-one? He's over thirty. He's, I know he's, he's over, over 30, the age. Yeah. yeah. Um, he said he's always learning. He's learning loads from Rogers. And I think what we said when Rogers went in there, it was a no-brainer to go from Celtic to Leicester. Yeah, Because yeah. Le- Leicester are such a well-run club um, with some tidy players before he arrived. Exactly. Um, and Rodgers is a very good manager yeah. and he's showing that now so one Vardy's kind of resting up between uh, England duties and he's also learning from a, ma- a manager who has always been a very attacking manager yeah. and it also helps having the likes of James Madison and we, I mean we may as well come on to the game in a minute but James Madison and Yuri Tillemans behind yeah. him and just um, be going on before we go on to the game so let's just talk about it, it doesn't really mean much at this stage of the season but it does give you a good indication of who's firing but you look at the t- inside the top ten goal scorers so far. Five of them are English. Yeah. Jamie Vardy on eleven. Tammy, who's had an exceptional start. Yeah. Trusted by Frank to lead the line for well, Chelsea with um, ten. Before we kind of move on to the other Englishmen, there, Tammy Abraham's a great example of just getting your head down because you say he had a great start. Actually, first few games he couldn't hit a barn door, but he looked like, threatening. Didn't but he, he? he did. He did. His finishing was all. I mean, yeah. there was one at Stamford Bridge when we played them, which I think if we play him now, he bags yeah. all day long. Yeah. Um, he missed the penalty. In the Super Cup he was young, well, yeah. wasn't he? he? You yeah. know, he was just finding his feet in a in a Chelsea team which We've had given no him, confidence. Exact, given him four or five games of getting over those disappointments, yeah. and he looks like scoring every exactly. game. Exactly. I mean. So. The, they're not. There's no looking back to Hazard, is there? No, not I mean, Pulisic didn't overly start well, and I think he was dropped for quite was, a few I think, games. And, and then we'll talk about it when I, I was going to mention Pulisic yeah. when we come on to the games. But it is. It's, it's Frank's faith in the likes of Abraham, and it's kind of paid off for England as well because he scored for England yeah. the other night as well. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, you Look, said Tammy Abraham, Jamie Vardy. Um, got Raheem, with Raheem seven. Sterling, uh, who's obviously carried on his form from last year. He came a six in the Tottenham team that are not doing well. Yeah, and Michael Crawford so. in a United team yeah. who aren't particularly firing. Yeah. I mean, the other top goal scorers are Serge with nine, um, Aubameyang with eight, Mane with seven. Who, I mean, he's outshining 
Salah. So, yeah, he's been... He's and been has been for plan. a while. I'd say for I'd about say. A, a year or so, he's been the better of the two. But that's but, okay. That, it's completely fine. But yeah. what I would say is, I mean, the United game that we spoke about in the last podcast, yeah. I think we did, um, we miss Salah when he's not there and there's talk of him being injured for the next few weeks. But I think any of those three, any of those three miss him and, you miss, and, and your whole front line is affected. Yeah. I think any of the front three that, if you, or either of, any one of the three are out injured, rather than, and Jürgen does try this sometimes, he tries to carry on play the same formation, just drop other players in. It doesn't work no. as shown by Old Trafford. So if Salah's injured, if Mane's injured, if Bobby's tired, if any of them have to come out, then in my opinion, we have to change to a diamond and pack midfield and then play yeah. one of those or two of those behind Origi. Or... Tell you what, talking about another Englishman, not in terms of scoring, but who's really impressed me and it makes me a little bit vom- vomity having to say this, but Henderson has <laughs> Henderson has actually what's, been pretty impressive. What's your uh, what's your nickname for him? I'm sure I uh, I don't I'm believe sure I, I have mock a, this. I don't Sad Macum. Well, we can't use it on this podcast, can we? I just he's just I love him. Um, I know a lot of our fans. I mean, there's so many. By a lot of your fans, you mean your dad? Not my dad's not his biggest fan. Uh, but even dad kind of said, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this when we talk. Sorry, about uh, taking all your talking pieces. No, no, no. Um, that my dad's not the biggest fan. Um, I'm one of his kind of defenders uh, against his detractors. You see a load of our fans who apparently claim to go to the game on Twitter and on social media, saying he shouldn't be anywhere near the first team or he shouldn't be our captain. I'm um, sorry, but you, you've seen games without him in there, and it's, it's a change. Even if it doesn't work, I, I mean, would, when you drop him deep, it doesn't work. No, I mean that's why we bought Fabinho. Um, Who has been. What I would say before we talk too much later on is that he's a very good footballer who actually has been in pretty poor form this year, Hendo. His last couple of games have been decent. The City game, he yeah. was decent. But actually before then, he's actually played quite poorly. And there was talk about him maybe dropping out of the side um, and maybe not being guaranteed um, minutes. But, I mean, I'm I glad mean, he's he was... captain. He's yeah, captain. Exactly. And- I mean, I know Virgil is probably knocking on that door right now and stuff, but the lads, the the lads play for him, don't they? You can see that on the pitch. Yeah, they, you, they do, and, and that's tell, the main thing. And, and we talk about him as being our captain. He was almost kind of a captain uh, in anything but the armband for England when he broke. Um, again, well, this is something we we'll mention later. He brokered the peace between Gomez and Sterling when this all kicked off midweek when Sterling yeah. scratched Gomez. Uh, pathetically in the face um, and actually Southgate was all for sending Sterling home and it was actually Hendo who got Sterling on the phone he got Gomez on the phone because Henderson wasn't at the uh, the training complex he wasn't meant to join up until Wednesday, Thursday so he, yeah. he called them both on the phone and he was on speakerphone trying to get them both to calm down etc actually get them both to calm down get Sterling to calm down and it was actually Henderson and Gomez who persuaded Southgate to keep Sterling in the squad yeah, I'd heard that. rather than sending him home and I'm thinking fair enough that's quality he knows the two players he knows Sterling from yeah. his time at Liverpool he knows Gomez but if this is kicking off and Sterling's stormed off or he's been told to go and cool off and the chances are he's leaving the camp and doesn't play in either of the games where's Harry Kane? why is Harry Kane not getting them both together and talking about this? and Kane actually was passed up we don't know if it was his decision or Southgate's decision but they made a conscious effort not to put Kane in front of the media before the game on Thursday. They put Maguire in front of the media, which is which is strange in that 
not only did this go on, but it was England's 1,000th ever game. You think your captain? You'd thought your captain had front up, and I don't know if they're worried that he didn't have the car. He, he didn't. He couldn't talk about it or whatever. But I just feel that Hendo. I understand why he's not England captain to a degree because he's not absolutely guaranteed a space in that midfield. Whereas Kane is guaranteed if he start if he's fit, he starts for England. But for me, actually, say that though. But there's someone biting at his heels. Heel, yeah, exactly. Um, but with Hendo. I think he's a captain in everything but the armband, even if he's not playing. Like I said, he knew he wasn't playing on Thursday. He wasn't in the squad for that game. Yeah. But he's the one on the phone getting them together and basically saying, don't drop Sterling, Joe, you're all right, and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and it, I think... For me, it shows it shows just how comfortable Southgate is in, in himself in that position. I mean, I think it was handled as perfectly as it could have been. Yeah, um, on, the, on the back of so so we going on to this now. Are we talking about this? Because I could talk. Well, let's just say for because I was going to I was going to put a, an appeal out there for the for the listeners because there is one man who I am really worried about and it has gone missing and that's, that's Tom. That's not Tom's gone missing. He's not here, is he? Well, that's a relationship, isn't it? <laughs> but no, but um, he hasn't been seen for quite a while, um, and that's Timu Puki. Yeah, he's gone missing, hasn't he? I don't know where he is. He's uh, he's been lost in the fancy football shuffle. The yeah. minute the minute eighty percent, some would say. Yeah, the minute yeah like that. The minute eighty percent of the country put him in the fancy football team, he seems to have dropped off. Me included, Pookie. Yeah, not good, is it? No, um, it's since they beat City by the sounds of it, by the looks of it. Yeah. Their um, their form well, has fair, I mean, dropped off a cliff. You look at the last five. Yeah. Lost, drawn, lost, lost, lost. The only team that kind of is the same as that, lost, drawn, lost, 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 is Southampton, who have also gone into free Smashed. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely smashed by Leicester. But for for me with Timu, it it stinks. You know, obviously, I've said before, I'm a massive cricket fan. A bowler breaks onto the scene, spin bowler, fastball, whatever. Nobody knows. And the first season, the first season, first year, wickets left, right, and centre. But after they've got a year's worth of of, of video, Batsmen work them out, and yeah. uh, and that's it. I mean, Monty Panesar was a main one. This is not a cricket podcast, but just saying, um, he was found out and struggled to then adapt. And I think with Timu Puki, he's going to have to adapt to this to this level. You yeah. know, brilliant at Championship level, a real challenge um, as he moves up. Just before we move on to any of the games, well, they lost. Sorry, that game you spoke about Puki. I just want to mention. There's not a great deal to mention about the Norwich Watford game. Um, we watched it. Were you around at my house when when that was on? What am I think the Watford Norwich game? Yeah, we're watching. Yeah, it you were mine. Yeah, so I remember watching it and thinking that really Norwich had chance after at one nil down. Yeah, Norwich had chance after chance after chance, and they just couldn't convert. And then Watford went up the other end and scored that little kind of death flick, which yeah, was, was a really good yeah. finish. Um, but Watford is starting. That was their first win this season. It was the first as well. Win, so right. that was massive for them. But it, it is. It's. Um, I saw Norwich. Play at Anfield. I know we beat them four one, but they were really good. It was a four one game. It, never, never. They sh- they could have easily gone one or two up very early on, um, and they beat City as well. And since then, I don't know if it's a case of taking the foot off the gas because they think they've they played well against the big boys, or if it's just a case of just those were one off performances. But yeah. they've uh, it, they've got a real real problem if they don't start picking up points soon. Um, just one one more thing I wanted to mention in terms of what the league looks like and, and players in in it. Um, one man who just about sums up 
Manchester United's transfer policy is uh, is Dean Henderson. Yeah. He is top of the clean sheets with five. He's equal to Edison and Schmeichel, which is some names to be is, equal yeah. to. They're up to fifth. Yeah. And um, it's not, they're not attractive football. No, they're not. I don't want to it's put not. too much on Henderson either. because I, I mean, no, It's the defenders as well. Course, say but he's the, the one having to keep I'd being shot set, isn't he? I'd say it's Chris Wilder's um, management of that team. I'm not... I know people call Chris Wilder refreshing, etc. I'm not a huge fan just of how he's behaved in the past. Like he's kind of small mindedness at the end of the championship season last year. I mean, I don't know. I know you don't like Leeds, and I'm not a huge fan. But they kind of like digs out of nowhere when they went up. I just thought were a bit classless. He didn't need yeah, to make him. No. Um, and he's he's had there's a couple of enough, moments. There's already enough animosity between. Yeah. Exactly. For Leeds. I mean, we all hate Leeds come. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm which not... strangely it rings out around Old Trafford. I don't know, just, why? I don't know. They've don't not been know. in the Premier League for years. No, I don't know. It's weird. United fans are weird. Um, so I'm not personally. I'm not a big fan of Chris Wilder, but there's absolutely no getting away from what he's doing. So you mentioned Sheffield United are in fifth. It may not stay that way. It may stay that way. I don't they, think they'll stay in fifth. But I don't think. I don't I mean, think at we this stage think, they're in danger but we didn't of relegation. We didn't think Leicester would go on to win the league. So, I mean, stranger things have happened. No, we have got better at predictions, but we'll come to that in yeah. short. So, just one more thing in terms of the goalkeepers. I just, I just want to mention Sheffield United, because you mentioned Henderson okay. and, their, and their back five. So, Henderson's a huge part of that. Um, and we mentioned, yeah, it's the style of football, the defenders. But Dean Henderson and that back line have only conceded one more. They're second in the table for goals conceded. So, Leicester have conceded eight. And Sheffield United have conceded nine. How many have you conceded? I know we, you have to struggle with clean sheets. We've conceded ten. Yeah, but but we've not kept clean sheet. Like we've not kept a clean sheet Klopp in like was nine furious. games. Furious. What? What? Who did you play last? City. Yeah, yeah. Klopp was with their goal. Furious after yeah. that, and it wasn't because you you conceded it. It wasn't the idea of conceding. It was the fact that you had conceded when everything looked. Yeah. absolutely it was a good finish by Bernardo I think that it was a good finish it I was. think that was a little bit of why was he left alone but really like, I love Alisson but I think he's got to get across to that sooner it's a great I finish I said that when I saw it I, it's I thought great, you know, it's a great finish Alisson. but I thought yeah but Dean Henderson's been quality uh, for them but the, literally the only personal I say personal the only time I've watched him he completely cocked up he's given us three points like it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an awful cock up. It was, and he seems to have kind of bounced back from that. But just going off from what I've seen, uh, which would be unfair on the lad, obviously. Like it was an awful cock up that cost his team three points or a point at the very least. It was um, just just before we move on from the goalkeepers, just to mention that you know pretty much four million pound Martin Dubravka is also up there on three clean sheets. Yeah, incredible player. I mean, I know I'm sure Matt Ryan and. Nick Pope didn't cost that much either, but no, no. It, you know, in a team like that. Anyway, let's move on to week twelve fixtures and let's go through some of these. Yeah, results. so I mean, you know, mentioned United mentioned, getting a goal, uh, yeah, three goals in fact. United getting three goals is not a great deal to say about that, really. Um, Brighton should have won. They did win. Yeah, Bright, yeah, exactly. Brighton um, played well, have played well up to now in the league, but you'd expect uh, United to win that game. And uh, and I mentioned in my notes because, like I say, every every week we do take notes. However unprofessional this every sounds. week, well, every time we do the podcast, every definitely third. not every week. Yeah, <laughs> every yeah every half year. Um, United have won two on the bounce. That's as consistent as they've been since Ollie took a jo- took the job. But he's uh, the way professional. He is. He is. Um, and they, and they celebrated their draw with us like it was a cup winning, uh, like a final. 
that they won a trophy from. So I'm glad they had that moment. I'm really happy they won that. Yeah, moment. it's they, nice. They won a draw against Liverpool. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Ooh, how times will change when you hit the hard times. Real Madrid man, it opens up and Klopp fancies some Spanish weather. You're going to be crying. Mate, anyway, he's, mate, he's from the Black Forest in Germany. He's not used to good weather anyway. No, true. Um, the Wolves Aston Villa game I watched that it was a humdinger of a Midlands derby uh, um, by got... humdinger I mean it was relatively boring <laughs> <laughs> there was a few there was a few hard tackles but it was on it was on on our way to the game so I, I didn't really pay much attention yeah to we'll come back to your game they were missing, they were, yeah, yeah. let's go into um, but for that game they were missing Grealish Villa weren't they he's they still were, injured yeah. so he's a massive part of what they do Jack Grealish he's um, he was unlucky to not be part of the England squad, um, but obviously but you don't get it that. Madison. Uh, no, uh, but and he, that's his position. Yeah, but he's also he can also drop deep as well, slightly deeper into midfield. Um, I'd have definitely called him up over Fabian Delph. Delph got into that squad for one reason and one reason only: his versatility. He'll play yeah, wherever yeah. he's asked to. Um, but Jack Grealish is a footballer. He's better than and he is hands down. I mean, I know you wouldn't like it, but I'd still rather have James Miller in the side. Yeah, I'm only retired though. Yeah, I know he did. Right, um, so. Anyway, let's we'll we'll save your game. Oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, on the Saturday, these were the Sunday results. On the Saturday, Chelsea two 0 win against Crystal Palace. Um, didn't watch that. Not. Really I've seen the highlights. Sure um, I've put again. Um, Lampard has Chelsea uncomfortably likable these days. <laughs> That's exactly how I, I, I feel I've about him. I've never found him unlikable. No, La- Lampard's never been like unlikable. Obviously, you kind of scream at him when he's playing for Chelsea. But even then, he was quite like. Well, I remember one moment, um, he was taking a corner in front of the cop end, um, and he had it on the you know on the kind of seg yeah, yeah. way play, and it was outside it, and the whole of the Liverpool, like, all of our Liverpool fans around me were giving him dogs abuse. So, so the referee, all you heard was. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the referee told him to move it back. So he moved it back, and when the referee turned his back, I he jokingly, I he jokingly placed it back outside the segment and winked at them all and. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Like loads of people laughed, loads of people were fuming. I don't understand how you can be fuming because it's hilarious. Um, I've never really had a huge dislike for Frank Lampard. I I have had for quite a long time. It's probably since the Benitez Mourinho years. I've had a huge dislike of the club Chelsea for many reasons. And as, as I'm they're sure, not club they're, no, they're not. But what I'm saying is, you know, the Didier Drogba years, which Frank Lampard was involved with, are long gone. But even then, like Drogba, before he actually kind of knuckled down, was was a cheat. That's um, after, after, I, I mean, this was discussed on the radio a couple of weeks ago, like uh, who are the biggest cheats in the Premier League history. And Drogba was seen as one of those, but only for his first 18 months. Yeah. Because basically Lampard and Terry sat him down and said, you're too good, stop doing this. And he, and he essentially almost I can't did. imagine being sat down by those two. I don't think I'd walk straight again. No, no. <laughs> My knees would still be wobbling. Yeah, yeah. So, but I've, obviously there have been a lot of things go on, alleged and proven, um, racist abuse from fans, racist abuse from players. Um, but we're not going into that subject no. because we've already done it to death. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're not a likeable football club. So that's why I've put in my notes, Lampard has Chelsea has been quite uncomfortably likeable at the they're moment. They're starting to become they are the quite, darlings. They are a little bit, aren't they? Like, really? And it's because of the transfer ban. Yeah. The transfer ban has been a bit of a blessing. I was saying to um, to my boss uh, over the last few weeks, really, who's, who's a big Chelsea fan, that they are. it's a blessing in disguise, this transfer ban, because there's no way on God's green earth does, if they, have, if they don't have that transfer ban, 
Does Tammy Abraham start as a number nine no, for no, them? No, Does no. Mason Mount play for them? No, no. Do half of those players get a They're chance on the team? Yeah, exactly. So And it's also helped with the the fact that Kovacic and Jorginho are starting to really Jorginho's been quality. Down. Kovacic has has added gliding round a player to his game as well. And And it's lucky that's happened because with um RLC out for so long. Cheek, yeah. Um, Hudson Odoi coming back uh, into the fold as well is, is big with a renewed him. sense of wanting to be there uh, need, yeah exactly that helps yeah. um, and being pushed all the while by the likes of Pulisic who let's not forget cost 60 million quid and got in basically under the shutter door exactly, before yeah. the shutter shut um, didn't have time to grab his hat yeah exactly yeah exactly uh, so he's he's looked a good signing um, I know you mentioned that uh, he, he wasn't in the team a lot it looks as if Frank was doing what Jürgen does with some players yeah. and just kind of blooding him in, even if he's whinging himself. Cause they were, Probably getting that hunger up. Yeah, because there were a few stories about him being unhappy behind yeah. the scenes, uh, which is fair. Um, but he's come into the team and he's kind but of... But he works, doesn't he? You get, yeah. you get the, it, Jürgen's done it really well. You get the player hungrier and hungrier, bitey and bitey. And chomping out and the then all, And then all of a sudden you say, right, you're up. Yeah. And, and he's hit the hat trick yeah. the other week, scored again. Um, they are the the like I keep saying it's it's the term that I've coined. They're uncomfortably likable at the moment, Chelsea, which which makes me feel a bit dirty. So can we move on? We can do uh, <laughs> to a three 0 win for Burnley. Yeah, against um, West Ham, which it, I mean, if you, you just hear the the headline three 0 win for Burnley against West Ham, massive it's result. Wild, it's wild. Um, but you look at what West Ham have been doing well, since I asked week. You, yeah. Did I say week seven? Yeah, week five. Oh no, week seven. seven right, yeah. So I asked you before we started. I vaguely remember we West Ham kind of their fans getting carried away and saying they can challenge for top Lofty six. heights of fifth. Yeah, they were up there, um, up there with the top four, hanging fire, and now they're sixteenth. Yeah. Um, so they have again. Can just remind the listeners underneath Newcastle. You beat them at their place as well, didn't yeah, you? Did, yeah. Um, so we blew a few bubbles. Yeah, or yeah. popped them, should I say? <laughs> yeah, you blew and then popped. But we'll move on from that. Analogy. We're a family podcast. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, they've gone into absolute nosedive. Whereas Burnley is showing that last year's kind of dip you could attribute to the Europa League. Yeah, yeah. Because Wolves have had a very similar dip uh, in form. And you you've got to hope that with that burn, and I, I and I think I don't think they'd be rash. But you've got to hope with that Burnley uh, board that they don't aspire to far ahead of them because and they haven't done Sean Dyche is perfect for that they club. could have very easily he's got unflappable of, they could have easily got rid of he's been he's been very flappable this year he's gone on he has been diving constantly yeah but I think, he's considering Ashley Barnes players for I think him. on the training ground and things like that I think he's he's a very knowledgeable manager I think he's, he's a very good manager um, at that uh, I mean I say at that level that they're, they're in the top half of the Premier League I think um, they could have very easily got rid of him last year when things were going absolutely awfully in the league and having been knocked out of the Europa League but they didn't so I don't think I think I mean considering he's got kind of like the side of a building wall like painted in his honour in Burnley I don't think um, he'll be going anywhere no probably not I mean they stuck with him when they went down and he brought him back up so I think that man could do anything other than windmill his own supporters and get away with it we're a family podcast (laughs) what Stephen means is like in Holland where there's lots of winners Um, we talked about the Newcastle game 2-1 win against Bournemouth at home Um, Marco Silva doing something amazing winning a game winning a game against a team that I've been I was going to say smashed there's not a great deal to say I apologise for any Everton and Southampton fans who listen Um, but there's not a great deal to say about this game 
Everton should have won that game and they did do, uh, despite how awful they have been this season. Everton, they came up against a team who are just, yeah. uh, just in essence, worse than they are. Just before we move on from Everton, just wishing um, Andre Gomez, Gomez yeah. the speediest recovery yeah. he can have. Um, it was a, it was a grim, grim. It was. I was watching. I was watching the game against Arsenal and some of the pictures how they came out. I don't know. I don't even know how. Well, I was watching it. I was watching it. It was one of those. It was a split second. You saw his foot at that angle, but when you, when you looked at the TV, you thought something's not right there. And then when it had split you, you were like, "Oh." We're not even talking about the live. Like you not see some of the pictures that surfaced on social media that some people were saying no. were actually his ankle and stuff like. that. I don't know how real they were, etc. But apparently, there were pictures of his ankle, kind of not out of his skin, but kind of a foot down. I'm not surprised because it was flat. Yeah, it, it I don't know out. how, I genuinely, I've not looked into it. They just kept popping up on my timeline. That was pretty grim. So yeah, definitely wish him this bit. He's there. Because I didn't He's realize, one of their best players. I didn't realise how much he'd done in that game. It was a pretty drab game really. In all yeah. But the, I was watching Sky Sports News the next day and they, they did a little clip of how much, how he's, much possession he'd had in that he's day. There. He's by far, incredible. Their, he's by far the yeah. best player. Like they're really going to struggle wise. in an already challenging season. Yeah, without him. Yeah. Uh, Spurs doing what Spurs do. Spursy, uh, Spursy, Spurs. Bottlers. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 1-1 at home against Sheffield United. And I've I put, say home. I mean, they're more comfortable at Wembley, clearly. But Yeah, well, I've put again in that little bit of note that I've mentioned. Um, they were very lucky, I think. Uh, people will come at me about VAR and we'll leave that for one or two footed episodes. But people say if he's offside, he's offside. Now, apparently... The Sheffield United player whose name escapes me at the moment, his big toe was offside for the but league. But it's offside, But I'm not convinced it was because humans are still drawing those lines across. So I'm still not convinced. And no one was using a ruler either. Exactly. And as shown by, like, um, do you know what I don't understand? Roberto Firmino's against Aston exactly. Villa. Where it, apparently you can score with your armpit. His Simon. armpit her was just slightly offside. Oh, what I don't get with that is how you can judge somebody being offside at an angle hmm. for me you've got to have a camera that keeps up with the li- like like linesman does yeah if that's because possible if you, if you look at an angle say the camera's on the halfway line or there or thereabouts hmm. and it's probably not that far off but you know what I mean it's hmm. not exactly in line with the players you know what at you mean? that stage it's usually you, the camera you, you've the got the angle yeah. so how, how but even with that that's the thing that dictated Firmino's side isn't it because you had the line going across and then you had that line going up yeah. but he wasn't going up someone had obviously left their protractor at home or whatever and forgotten what a 90 degree angle looked yeah. like and the line inexplicably drawn by Martin Atkinson just slightly tilted into Roberto Firmino's armpit because if it had gone straight up it would have hit, hit his elbow which you can't score a goal from therefore he's not offside I don't want to turn this into a VAR no no podcast. we'll do we, we've and got one of those yeah, it's hard planned enough. we've got one of yeah, those planned definitely. Not recorded, but planned. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll probably talk about that in about May next year. Yeah, I mean, our planning list is longer than our podcast list. Yeah. But for me, there is not enough transparency in this process. No, I you, agree. The, why, why at this stage, when it's clearly there's a lot of heat on it, why are these VAR team in the box not mic'd up? Talking to the referee, I think talking part about of the it, system. I think part of the problem as well, in addition to that, is that it's referees as well. Because I've always seen, and you, you, you see them in these kind of documentaries, especially with the, uh, the PGMOL. What, you mean on the pedestals? Oh, yeah, exactly. You see the, the Premier League referees, it's a boys' club. 
So oh, they're defending each other. Yeah, exactly. So you're not gonna if there's a if there's a cock up on the pitch and you can somehow say that it isn't a cock up and defend your mate, you're gonna I think anyone who's in Stockley Park has to be an independently trained person who's never met these referees, who's never come across them. They don't have to even they, they can be ex footballers, right? It's just anyone who is impartial and just doesn't travel with those referees, doesn't know them, doesn't train them. Because at the moment, yeah. they're mates judging mates. And that's there's going to be an automatic bias there. Exactly. But, but we're going to take all of our kind of VAR chat away if we carry on. So yeah. Which is the next game to Let's chat about. Uh, Leicester to Arsenal nil. Now, the, only, the one word for me in that game was second half clinicalness. Is that a one word? Is that one word? <laughs> that, was, that sounded like more than one word, Sam. Stephen, we're from the northwest. We can't count. <laughs> no, or we can merge many words. Exactly. <laughs> um, I yeah. put some hyphens between it. Yeah, Everything's sorted. It's fine. Um, yeah. First half, I thought Arsenal shaded it to a degree. Uh, second half... Didn't score, though. No, no, they didn't. Uh, and second half, yeah. Leicester were clinical. But I thought they were the better team. Two English boys scoring. That first goal was a thing of beauty. Was that Vardy? Yeah, Vardy's. Yeah, the yeah. one touch. I mean, his finish was a bit of a bobble into the corner, but the one touch football. There was about four or five one touch passes leading yeah. up to it. It's quality, and then Madison's uh, kind of arrow into the bottom corner finished it off. And before can I talk game, about one man? Can I talk? So, I, I, I know you. Said, I know you're going to carry on with that, but can I just talk about one man for Leicester? Go on. Can I just talk about a 19 million pound defender? In, and I'm going to pronounce his name as I, I think knew you were going there, yeah. I think it's Sunyunku. Right, Sunyunku. They've replaced... They re, he came in the year before Maguire left. He came in last year. Didn't play a whole great lot last season. I think that's right. I've no idea. Um, I've not done my research on this and Tom's not here. All I, all I, we've actually mentioned him before. Yeah, so um, I, think, I think I'm right in saying he came in last year for 19 million. Yeah. Didn't play because obviously Maguire was the first choice. Yeah. It comes to this the summer this year. Brenda Rogers obviously in there. He must have been rubbing his hands together with glee when United came in with with if, a if, eighty if, million. If he knew, if he knew how good he was. Well, I um, think you get inklings when you at this stage. Maybe I don't. It depends on what he played last season. I'm not sure. I've not got the numbers in front of me, but um, ninety million pounds in this day and age maybe doesn't get you a lot. But it's again, it's no short change. Um, like I said, we've mentioned him on this podcast before. He was outstanding at the game at Anfield. Absolutely out. He had Salah in his pocket at Anfield. We mentioned uh, in the stands, we were like, who is this lad? He is amazing. He's and better qual- than Harry aside, it's his calmness. Yeah. You look at him playing, and he's not one of these defenders who, like, his feet are in every direction. He's just calm. And that's that's does a heck of a lot for You're your right. goalkeeper behind You're right, you. Leicester. Your partner at the side of you. Leicester will be looking at that business. Because everyone was screaming at them to go and get either Duffy or Dunk. Yeah, yeah. That's 50, 60, 70 million. And they've just kind of said, no, we're fine. We've got a lad area we're going to put our faith in. And they've basically gone 23 laughing. as well. They've gone laughing all the way to the bank with that 80 million for Maguire. Because you look at where the two teams are in the league. And they're, I mean, Leicester are streets ahead of Manchester United. I'd, and people can if talk we were, to If we were better um, prepared, I would have got a nice quote from Maguire. And I, I assume he said something along the lines of that he joined United to win, to, trophies. To win trophies. Well, I'm United sorry, United on 16, Leicester on 26. Yeah. Leicester are 10 points clear of them. Um, and if Leicester carry on playing the same way and United carry on playing the same way, 
Leicester will finish above them quite comfortably. Mm. Um, United are a bigger club. They are. There's no getting away from that. But potential-wise, like for the next three, four years, there's a real potential for Leicester to have some staying power in that top four, top six. And there's a real problem for United. Because yeah. if they keep finishing outside of the top four, they're in real trouble with the sponsors like Adidas. There is only one problem, though, for Leicester, and they're going to have to stand real firm here. because Brendan Rodgers, I think. I think that's the biggest problem for them. I think, see, I think it's a bigger problem. Go on. There's quite a lot of talk about City snooping around for Bolsonaro and Jevons. I don't think they go for Jevons. Uh, I don't think. I think Johnny Evans would be mad to leave Leicester because at the moment he's it, playing every game. He won't play every it, game. It's City. his level, isn't it? I think Leicester. He's. I mean, he's Leicester, got into a team who he, he fits perfectly. And, and I mean, him and his manager. There's that Northern Irish connection mm. as well. Um, there's more chance that the young lad will jump, but I think he'd be mad unless he's given assurances that. You are the guy that we want to partner Laporta with when he's back. Yeah. Um, if he's given those assurances, then he will go. I think the biggest problem for them will be Rogers. I think if his stock continues but to I, rise, I know Leicester fans have been quite hot on Twitter because obviously these these so-called football experts have been talking about the bigger clubs coming in for. I mean, uh, Brendan Rogers. At this moment in time, at, at this moment in time, there's no way he goes to United. There's no way he goes to Arsenal. He, I know where Spurs are in the league. He could go to Spurs, I think. Um, his kind of football. But I don't philosophy, think. I don't his think football philosophy kind of is in line with the way Spurs have always played. I don't football. think. For me, if I was advising Poch at this stage, I'd be saying, "Get out of there. There's nothing more you can do." Exactly. But I know so what Rogers could go in there. Yeah, but Poch, Poch, I think, is one of those guys who's looking at where Spurs are now and going, "Do you know what? I can't leave on this." Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, who else? Chelsea have got Lampard, obviously City, Pep. So there's no bit, again, and I get I get Leicester fans. You talk about him going to our, Le- our bigger club. But Leicester, there isn't. But Leicester have got... Leicester are a massive club yeah, now. Well, I wouldn't say a massive club, fan base. I mean, they've got, got a fan base, but you look in terms of what they've done in the last in, few years. Yeah, in terms, I'm talking about, as a team, they are an established, very good Premier League side. As a club, though, I mean, you talk about Arsenal, he could go into the Arsenal seat. Quite, Arsenal... However, like poor they are, and however poor they've been for a few years now, we're picking up a couple of FA Cups, but nothing. Arsenal are an absolutely massive club globally. Yeah, they are absolutely massive club, and he might think, well, yeah, they've always played good football since Wenger's with quality in. players in yeah. there. I know they've got some positions. He might, think, he might fancy that that kind of challenge Maybe. to go into Arsenal, and he'd be given money to spend. <laughs> the only thing that I'd be worried about there is the Arsenal fans. The Arsenal fans basically handed out Arsenal Wenger and have found that actually they're a bit stuffed without him do you know one thing that's really winding me up about Arsenal at the minute I mean many things no, well no it's Arsenal. not even Arsenal in terms of that it's it's on Twitter the whole this whole Emery good evening thing it's, I've seen the speaking, I've seen the clip he's speaking in his second language exactly it's, it's just like let's get over it it's not even funny it's no. it is his second language it's pathetic you could have picked up thousands of things that Arsene Wenger said or, or, or Benitez Rafa, Rafa. I, I struggled through a 30 second clip of him saying good evening about 50 times no, it's, it's pathetic. like ridiculous. it's because it's because Arsenal fans aren't particularly liking him and and Arsenal are a bit of a joke at the moment with how they keep surrounding and lead. So anything to kind of keep that. I think It's interesting how, I've said this before, Piers Morgan, when Arsenal Wenger was in charge, um, said he was going to keep saying how many days since Arsenal last won a trophy. Mm. He stopped that now. Well, yeah, of course he has. Because he got what he wanted, but he's realised what, what he wanted. He's got him a manager. Unai Emery's kind of managing some... He's, he's, he's managed at PSG, he's managed at Sevilla, he's won Europa Leagues at Sevilla, um, he's won domestic trophies everywhere. 
Um, but I think the issue is that the Arsenal job was far too big for whoever yeah. came after Arsenal. And the Arsenal job wasn't the typical Arsenal job. It was a project and the fans at are, this stage. The fans are morons as well. Sorry, well, you just have to look are. at Arsenal on TV to understand just it's how they are. Uh, I said we'd come back to this and we're sort of coming slowly to the end of, of this podcast and uh, at the minute we have been talking for quite some time, nearly How 50 long? minutes, right, 48. So you've done um, that on purpose so I don't talk too long about this, that's why. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, I watched it. Um, so did I. Ah, shut up. Right, um, what I will say... 3-1. Yeah, what I will say is you know, any City fans who listen at this point who are screaming, VAR, VAR, VAR... Right, okay. So... We've had some referees say it should have been a penalty. Which wasn't working in the first half, I've heard. That's only rumour though, isn't it? Yeah, it is rumour. But we've we've heard some former referees say it should have been a penalty. Shouldn't have been a penalty. And we've had some former referees saying it it shouldn't have been a penalty. So Can I can I go through my opinion before you hit yours? Because yeah, obviously you've got more say in this. You cannot give a penalty when a ball has ricocheted off the arm of one of your own players onto the arm of a defender. Now that's my view of it, and that's been the view of other people. But uh, other referees, have if said the second because, is a handball, the first has to be a handball. Yeah, and that's they're the rumours as to why it wasn't given um, because it comes off Bernardo's arm, and Trent says it hits his arm. There's absolutely people are talking about how unnatural his arm position is, and his arm is out at the time, but his arm's kind of out, and he's kind of jostling for position. Um, he says he's landing on his foot, on his leg. Yeah, exactly. That his arms there to exactly. Sort of like... So you could you could still say it's an unnatural position. However, the ball ricochets at him from someone else's arm. So and he wasn't a dribbler either. He was no, a pace. It kind of popped up onto his arm there. So if you're going to whinge about that, then fair enough. Um, get over yourselves. I mean, you'd as a Liverpool fan, if that happened on the reverse, you'd feel. I'd feel probably agreed. Hard I'd done probably agree. Yeah. But then. You look at it and it does come off Bernardo's arm, so there's not really an argument. Yeah, it's true. Um, it just isn't. And some of these people who are saying it was a penalty seem to conveniently forget that it's hitting Bernardo's arm. Yeah. Like, however accidental it is, if that's an accidental handball, then how do you differentiate between that being accidental and, and Trent's as well? Yeah. Um, so get over yourselves, City fans. Um, keep crying into your co- complaint letters. Excuse me, well, let's just stop there. Anyway, it was 3 1. <laughs> uh, I watched the game. I was. It started out as one of those where you thought this has got a bigger name than it has. I thought it was barnstorming to begin. I thought I genuinely from the stands I was convinced it, it was going to store first. It was a good tempo because they, they penned us in For, before Fab scored. They penned us in. They had two or three corners on the bounce. They had that chance, and then obviously we countered um, up the other end. And it, it was it was a similar way to how we've done it to them in the past. We were two 0 up inside thirteen minutes. You were and and. Without playing particularly well. I was going to say that. It wasn't... You got to the 13th minute, it wasn't a 2-0 Liverpool That second game. goal, though. Oh, my God. That second goal, yeah. yeah. The finish was, was decent, but that ball on Trent's left foot to open up the field for I, Robbo. That man was just... I'm just going to interject because some of your fans wind me up royally. Some of our fans wind me up royally as well. You don't have Trent Alexander-Arnold in your first team to defend. To defend. That's not his primary job. No, but as a right back, he's got to know how to. And to be he, fair... He has, but he's still a young lad. No, of course he is. And this is what I say. Um, I, I we argue, were talking last weekend and I you argue, were telling me, Robbo's got five years of experience yeah, he on, him. on him. Yeah, he's the captain so, yeah, of his country as well. Yeah, Robbo... Robbo's pretty much the finished article. Yeah, he, he can yeah. read the play probably a little bit better than Trent in terms Far of coming back. Trent, yeah. But Trent Alexander-Arnold is probably arguably five years better attackingly 
than what Robbo is. I know Robbo's got a good cross and he gets into the position, but Trent's accuracy it rivals Carrick, De Scholes, De Bruyne. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm coming on to. So, Cara said it's almost like having Kevin De Bruyne at fullback. Yeah. And you say you, our fans wind you up. I don't think it's a lot. I mean, if it's if it's our it's fans, enough. I've seen enough. If it's our fans, it's fans who don't go to the game. I'd say it's more the England fans. And when there's a discussion over who the best right back is, a lad at work is a massive Carl Walker fan. And how? Because he's he, to be fair to him, he mentioned that Carl Walker has been the right back, has been the Premier League winning right back over the last two years, and you can't argue with that. So he talks about in a team that he can hide. Yeah. So he's spoken about how he's far better defensively than Trent. I'd hope he was better defensively than Trent because he's got about 10 years experience on Trent. Yeah. Um, I don't know how old Kyle Walker is, sorry. So, But I think he's, yeah, I think he's got about 10 years experience on Trent. No player in how old this... Is Trent? 21, 22? Yeah, 29. Kyle Walker. Is he 21, Trent? I think he's just turned 21. But no team in this current England side, and I know we're talking Liverpool versus yeah, City, sure. 21 here. No one in this current England side does what Trent does. I mean, one of the apparently one of his passes for that in one of the England goals. I don't watch England; it bores me. And as as we'll come you mean on the seven 0 win would bore you. I mean, my dad against said, the team of farmers. Yeah, my dad said he started watching the game and they went three or four 0 up and he turned it off because he said it was just it was it just wasn't interesting. Um, Trent, no team, no no player in that England team does what Trent does, and he, that's why he's in. The, that's why he starts for the European Champions week in week out at the age of twenty one. That honestly, that's that ball for Robbo to run onto is perfectly weighted, perfectly angled, perfectly whipped, and that is on his left foot. That is his weak foot. And if you're talking national team, which I'm quite looking forward to the 2020 Euros, um, because of the format of it, I think more than anything else, mm. it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I think. But you think for the England team, we now have two players in that England team who are set piece specialists. Yeah. And depending on where that ball. Is set up. You either have Rashford from range, who insane or goal, or Trent when he's a little bit close with a bit to, more to lay it on a plate for yeah, someone or take all it, so. Exactly, that's quite exciting for me. And you think Rashford's what 20, two, three? 20, 20's young. He's so young. yeah, young. and you've got Trent at twenty one. They were ex- I just I was reading Gary Lineker's. Sorry, I was reading the Gary Lineker's tweet the other day, and he said the twenty twenty Euros might be two years too early mm-hmm. now when you think what we were like in 18 we were like this is an amazing England squad but actually you look at what youth has like popped up since that group of players like Mason Mount as well yeah it actually 2024 is actually the more exciting one it, you've just got to be very careful as to keep saying we'll be decent in two years we'll be decent in two years we'll yeah it's, it is. it's going but to get to a point where it flowers basically. we've never done that in my lifetime we've never I've never looked at the England squad and gone well, Bloody hell, I mean, this, the golden, this could be something. I mean, to be fair, the golden generation is pretty special. What, well, we couldn't decide how well, to we, play yeah, Lampard and Jarrett exactly, together? Exactly, but that was... We didn't have a left midfield, so we took skulls out of there. Yeah, but that was, the, that was the problem. The players there were, were absolutely incredible, but they just couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, but with regards to the game, we were 2-0 up without... We hadn't really strung two passes together before Trent's ridiculous ball, and then you could argue, argue Robbo's is even better to get it to bounce directly in front like just a few yards in front of Salah so Salah doesn't have some missed defenders as well yeah two defenders charging down on him Salah doesn't have to break stride he literally just has to connect with it with anything and it goes in so you could argue Robbo that is why Liverpool have the best 
the two best fullbacks in Europe today. Trent to Robbo, Robbo to Salah, goal. And that, that goal. Uh, and what's more outstanding is one's from your academy, the other one was what, 8 million? 8 million from Hull. From Hull. <sighs> and look at City, have spent how much on fullbacks? What, Mendy was what, 50? Men, uh, Cancelo, Cancelo was 40. Was 40. Kyle Walker was 50. Yeah. And we've got those two for 8 million combined. I mean, it's. It, Do you yeah. know what? I, I hope for Newcastle that the gods that that gave you Gomez and Trent do that to the long stats. I mean, even even Gomez was one point something million off three, two point from Charlton. But you could argue he's, he has he spent well, most no, of his formative. No, no he, he wasn't. At, he wasn't at our academy. He only he, well, no, he, he, came, to us, he came to us when he was like youth. 19, 18, 19. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was with us quite early on in his uh, like in his senior career. Um, but we'll just before I come on to Joe Gomez, and I do want to come on to Joe Gomez, I want to come on to the the, the end of the Liverpool City game. So, if I'm being completely honest, even with Bernardo's goal, Liverpool comfortable. I know I am my usual pessimistic self in the lads group. It's going to happen. They're going to turn it around. Blah blah blah. But it's more me hedging my bets from a grief than anything else. Liverpool were three 0 up inside 51 minutes against a team that are reigning English champions. And are now who were six points behind, who are now nine points behind Liverpool. They haven't looked as clinical as City I mean, haven't. You just, no, have to, I agree. you just have to watch Pep on the sideline, and it oh, brings a right smile word. to my eye. It just to my yeah. eye to my face. Yeah, bye it bye. Brings a tear, yeah, uh, a smile to your yeah. Your brings face. a smile to my yeah. eye and a tear, a tear to my tear mouth. To yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, very good. Um, Peps, Peps. I understand him. Petulant. Yeah, I understand him being angry. Maybe at the first one, I still think the decision was right. But I understand why he'd be that angry. But that one where he's screaming twice at the heavens, where it hits Trent's arm the second time, his hand is down by his side and almost behind yeah. him. And he's still screaming. Like, did, what went, did I send you? This one, did, was it the dubbed one where it goes twice? As yeah, the opera one, yeah. So Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it was brilliant. I, My I, favourite <laughs> bit was that was thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My brother, um, before City went on this dominance of a couple of years, uh, the last two years when they won the league with 100 points and 98 points. There was that first year where they didn't win the league. It was it Chelsea won the league or someone yeah. else won the league uh, instead of them. It wasn't Leicester, was it? Was it the year Leicester won it? I can't remember. Well, Leicester was, was a bit later when they <laughs> City had already won a couple of... No, no, I mean under Pep. Oh, under Pep, Pep's, sorry. Um, so Pep's first year, they didn't win the league. Um, and what I wanted to mention was his demeanour in that season is very similar to what it is now. Yeah. Very prickly, very kind of insulting, very woe is me. And I don't think he, he I don't think he likes the fact that City aren't getting all the plaudits that his Barcelona team got. So when his Barcelona team were dominating, they were everyone's favourite second team, obviously apart from Real Madrid fans, etc. But they were everyone's, oh, look how amazing they are, look how amazing they are. City aren't getting that now. But Barcelona were, been in, were in the top flight for millennia before Pep came There in. are reasons. City, there... City are quite an unlikable team in terms of because they were bought by a... They're plastic, a, Simon. An oil rich... I'm not going to use that term, but they were bought by an oil They're plastic. Rich. I'll use that term quite okay. quite heavily. They're plastic. It's very unlikely. And I've said loads of times, their fan base has not grown. And I've said on the podcast before, their fan base has not grown at all since Main Road. Well, Danny, uh, mate, Danny, who's been on the podcast in the past. It was one of our first ones, wasn't it? Yeah, one of our seems first, to think, uh, he said it'll take 10, 20, 30 years for a fan base to grow. And you could argue, yep, yeah, that's where Liverpool's kind of fan base has come from, the 70s and the 80s. The United's came from the 90s and the early noughties, yeah. you could say. Um, or especially the 90s anyway 
Um, so you could argue he's right. Newcastle's um, came from the Padres. But they are, they are extremely an unlikable club and Pep doesn't realise this. He doesn't realise this and I think that's part of his prickly demeanour that he his City team aren't getting all the breaks with uh, the decisions or the um, the financial fair play whereas actually they are going to get a break there because UEFA don't want to be tied up in courts in years and years and years they're not going to ban them from the Champions League whereas they should be doing they're just going to find them which is fine because how do you, how do you punish a team that have spent too much money you find them more money makes sense doesn't it uh, yeah. but it is it's because UEFA don't have the, the financial might to contest to contest a legal battle with City so they're not going to yeah. ban them but Pep doesn't see that and he got really annoyed at the end of last year when he was asked about these kind of illegal payments made to Roberto Mancini and when he was asked if he'd ever taken any rather than just saying I'm going to do you for slander or I'm going to I definitely didn't do that or I'm not he he, he did that arrogant thing where you're going to ask me that here do you know who I am basically and it's that kind of thing and he's a bit like Sterling's has as well Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute Pep's mask has slipped a little bit, I think, this season. And that whole whole smiley, respecting opposition yeah. last year has kind of gone this year because he's not getting his own way. And he's being dominated in the league yeah, by this it, Liverpool team who haven't. Look at the front three statistics. Yeah, I know Mane and Salah are up there in the top uh, in the top 10 scorers, but they're not storming away like they have done in previous years. This Liverpool team haven't clicked completely this year. They've not kept a clean sheet in nine games. So this Liverpool team, who aren't actually playing as well as they did last year, are nine points clear of his City team yeah. before December. I mean, Pep is a remarkable human being. I think he's... I think he's a remarkable football manager. I don't think he... He won't ever be seen as um, in the upper echelons as I think Sir he Alex. will. I, I think don't he think will. he will. Because I think when, he, when his time is done, I think he will. Unless be. he builds a team. I mean, you could argue he's built a team at City, but he already had some big names... When he arrived, I mean, the, the what Rubinio, he did. They had already been and gone. The Rubinio but look trial, at, but forget about City. Forget about even buying. Because I think buying was was testament to a holiday camp for him. Um, he didn't build anything at Barca. Uh, yeah, he did. He did. He um, did. I've read. I've honestly, what you need to do is go back over Graham Hunter's book of that time period in Barca's um, Barca's uh, history because you you look at what was going on when Frank Rijkaard left, right? I know there was turmoil. There was was horrific turmoil. There was there were players there running the club basically, and he essentially took the decision to basically bounce Ronaldinho, who was one of the greatest players to ever play football. He basically built a team around an eighteen-year-old who he was told was too small. He changed the eighteen-year-old's diet and and life outside. outside, But he did. That's fact. He changed the eighteen-year-old's lifestyle. Honestly, it's a book that, I mean, Graham Hunter, I'm not a big fan of his as a journalist, but actually that book is incredible. So what Pep did at Barca and what he built that Barca team into, yeah, he had wonderful team uh, players coming through, but Iniesta at the start of that wasn't wasn't that ready-made player into what he came into me. Iniesta turned into one of the greatest ever ball-playing midfielders. Right, so well, he, he might be seen as one of the greatest coaches to play the game. To ever manage a team. What he did at that Barcelona team was absolutely incredible. But when he left that Barter team, he's essentially taken over a Bayern team that that he couldn't win the Champions League with because he'll always be remembered at failing that because he took over that Bayern team after they did the treble. So yeah. he couldn't he couldn't do what they did beforehand. And he's taken over a City team who dominated domestically, but should dominate domestically because, oh no, our, our wage bill isn't the highest. No, it isn't. 
but you can go out and spend 60 million, 50 million on players to sit on your bench. Mm. No other team, even United can't do that. And look at the money that backs them, right? Even United can't go out and spend 60 million pounds on them. And I can't stand that. I hate United more than anything in the world. And I hate using them as an example. But even Manchester United can't go out and spend 60 million for a player to sit on the bench. We can talk about Fred and how he was 58 million. But the only reason he was on the bench was because they bought him because he thought he was good. He'd go into their team and he was crap. That was the only reason he was on their bench. City bought Riyad Mahrez as a squad rotation player. He's a once African time player of the year. He's a, obviously he's a two time player. And a Leicester team who were all confident. Exactly, like, exactly, confident, yeah. exactly. So they've essentially bought him to sit on the bench. Cancelo doesn't even start. He's £40 million. Pounds. It's mad. So, oh. But I don't understand this. I mean, I think Cancelo can play both sides, as most full box backs can, really. Yeah, he can, but. But why, Pe- Pe- why Pe- are they using Zinchenko? Why are they using this? Angelina. Angelina. Why are they using Kyle Walker? He's, he's played for Juventus. You could, yeah, yeah, I would say that. I was going to say, you could argue Champions that League. you could say that they're trying to bed him in into the Premier League style like we've done with the likes of Robbo and, and Ox and stuff like that. And that's fine. Fabinho. Fabinho as well is a great example. Who has? We haven't mentioned enough. He was probably the man of the match against City and he's been absolutely outstanding since he came, came properly into the team about 12 months ago. He's, I'd we're say, not going back to the Liverpool because we've, over talk, we've talked about we'll just talk about Fabinho right. for me you're right Fabinho th- for me opens up pockets I think he's kind of he's, he's reimagined the CDM role um, because he is a destroyer Van Dijk I think it was maybe Rob Ark, I think it was Van Dijk he caught, they call him Inspector Gadget because he has those the, Van Dijk says he has go go gadget legs yeah. his legs end up everywhere like breaking up play destroying but he's not like um, a Makaleli who does that or a Mascherano who does that and then just passes the ball on to the players who can play. He's the midfielder in that midfield who can play. Yeah. He, he nicks the ball and then he turns one player and he plays a through ball to yeah, Salah yeah, yeah. or he can play a diagonal into but the isn't, fullback. Isn't that the Klopp philosophy? I is, isn't it? It is. Though? It is. It's, it's break up play, get it as quickly forward as possible. It is, that is it, the pep. The pep. It is, but he's... The Jürgen way it is. completely... But it's not as simple as that. With, it's not as simple as that. Fabinho. It is. Um, with Fabinho, he, he can play so many different kinds of passes. Um, and I think it helps that he played fullback early on in his career, um, you know, to help his attacking yeah. instincts. But he, is, he has been an absolute, um, absolute steal. And uh, 40 million, an absolute steal. The last Liverpool City thing I will say is the player who plays the same role for City is now in his 30s. Fernandinho. And. You, well, Rodri you, was there, wasn't he? he oh, Rodri's there now. Rodri's there, but I didn't. I didn't think Rodri played. I think Rodri eye catching. I think he's I don't more watch of a, much Spanish football, I, I but I, he, he came with a big, a big, big fanfare. Yeah, I think he's more of a destroyer. Um, uh, but I could be wrong. I'm not seeing a great deal. Of him. Didn't see a great deal of him um, at Anfield. Um, we were the better team. We are the better team at the moment, and we're top of the league, and we deserve to be. But one thing that will segue us into our final like last two minutes. Is well, I, I wanted to t- I wanted to get your opinion on something. Well, go on then. Uh, just n- in, not in terms of the Liverpool. Uh, it's I've put here. December does see the start of a very strange like trial or experiment by Amazon. Right. I mean, I know they've got the tennis. Oh, they've got oh, the, the derby's on, isn't it? Liverpool, got, Everton are on. They've got twenty Amazon. games. Yeah. Uh, from they start on Tuesday the third of December, and the last game is Friday the twenty seventh of December, but. 
in between you've got Palace Bournemouth Burnley City I'm reading these in order they're on the third the fourth which is the Wednesday is Chelsea Villa Leicester Watford United Spurs that's a massive game um, Southampton Norwich Wolves West Ham Liverpool Everton all these games are going to be shown um, on the Thursday they've got Sheffield Newcastle I mean we'll probably miss that because yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll get beat <coughs> Arsenal Brighton not necessarily and then Christmas the Boxing Day and the day after the 27th they've got Tottenham Brighton Bournemouth Arsenal Aston Villa Norwich Chelsea Southampton Crystal Palace West Ham I'm sure this is boring to the listeners um, <laughs> Everton Burnley Sheffield Watford They've got United Newcastle, um, Leicester, game. exactly Leicester Liverpool, um, which is a late kickoff. Leicester, that's Boxing Day. Uh, that's boxing yeah, day. away. Uh, I'm worried about that game. Are you going Watch, to it? Um, I should be. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, on the Friday the next day they've got Wolf City. I like the fact that they're showing all these games. I do. I do. It's a bit of a worry from the every every kind of working class. Like again, not everyone's going to be subscribed to Amazon Prime, so. The, uh, I mean, I am, and that's because I'm a teacher, and also uh, the grand tour. A lot, of, yeah, a lot of people are. And Vikings. A lot of people aren't. Yeah. A lot of people are. A lot of people aren't. Um, so it's another subscription service that some people might have to pay yeah. to watch more football. So well, that's it. I mean, I'm getting rid of Sky. Um, yeah, I think we are as well. And you fair. can you can do like the day passes, the week passes, yeah, exactly. the month passes. I think that's more. Um, I think it's uh, especially it's with Sky way. putting it on YouTube at five thirty pm. Mm. Sometimes I'm not in to watch the games, and you know. We're a football podcast. That's probably sacrilege to admit that, but <laughs> my, I don't know. But I know your life revolves around football a lot more than I mine yeah. does, and I catch a lot of sort of like match of the days and stuff the next day and stuff. But th- this whole Sky putting the games, the highlights on at five thirty on YouTube, it's completely changed the way I you can watch catch it, yeah. up with football. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? And it's not at ten thirty at night. And it's it's and at five thirty. Yeah. You can talk about and it, and that's free to watch. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about with the Amazon thing. Is that some people who just absolutely adore football, who just want to watch football all the time, it's something else for them to pay for, which I think is a bit off. But I mean, but you can get. I think and you it's, can get a month's free trial. You can yeah. get some form of is, there'll be a way. Trial, so. There'll be a way of watching them. Uh, yeah, it's an inter- interesting development. It's another way of watching the games. Be interesting to see the uh, the commentary, um, the coverage style. Well, have to have a lot of people for all those games. Yeah, the coverage style, like the kind of the analysis as well. That'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, interesting. But I just wanted to. I wanted to. I know we've been talking for far too long now, but obviously we can't end the podcast without kind of really talking about what happened. Uh, with Sterling and Gomez obviously started at the end of the Liverpool game um, Sterling was kind of nipping at Gomez's heels commits uh, I think it's a foul uh, Gomez doesn't like it he essentially grabs Sterling by under the arms almost lifts him and just kind of shoves him uh, which Sterling didn't like because obviously it's kind of the whole little man syndrome type thing which, which I he does like, have he which does he does have, have. Um, but then they were seen hugging at the end of the game so everything thought it was alright but apparently um, and then this all depends on hearsay and rumour Apparently, the reason Sterling lost his head completely the next day in the canteen with England is because he spent the evening, and these are from sources here, there and everywhere, he spent the evening on social media, which is never a good thing to do when you're on the losing side, watching all these memes of Joe Gomez having him off, embarrassing him, all these pictures of him um, uh, basically just having the, the mickey taken out of him. He'd obviously taken a lot of flack at Anfield as well, but he always takes a lot of flack, flack at Anfield. I, f- I do feel sorry for it. I don't. F- I, I, I'm going to tell. You, I'm going to tell you why I don't feel sorry for him at all. I don't boo him at Anfield now. I don't. And the reason I don't boo him, other people do. The reason I don't boo him is because 
he left us to win. Uh, obviously, he left us for more money, and he got his more money. He got his money. Fair enough. But he also won two Premier League titles and however many trophies he's won. And the only trophy we won, albeit the big one, is the Champions League and then the Super Cup. So he's gone there and he's been justified in his decision to a degree. Um, he was asking for an amount of money that we couldn't pay him as a 19, 20-year-old player at that time, a 21-year-old yeah. player. So, And then he forced the move and he did it in an awful way and it coincided with him being dropped for a game that it was a meaningless game, but we lost 6-1 against Stoke. So he basically shafted the club, shafted them. So people aren't happy with the way he left. Okay, fair enough. I understand that. He gets grief at Anfield because we know it gets to him. That Sunday, and I know they lost 3-1, was his best performance at Anfield since yeah, he left. Well. He was outstanding. But he lost his head at the end of it. So all the grief that he gets, and, and it, never told, it never goes over the line. It's never. I, obviously, he's been racially abused by Chelsea fans. And there's a hint of people maybe implying that might have something to do with it, but that's absolutely not the case. No one's been accused of this. Sterling's not said anything about it. Nothing was racial at Anfield at all. He just got dog's abuse. Like Wayne Rooney got dog's abuse at Anfield. Did Wayne Rooney ever turn round and get one of his head, uh, teammates in a headlock and scratch all down his face for England duty? Did he ever do that to Steven Gerrard? No, he didn't. What I'm more amazed about that story is, and if it's true, I'll, I'm going to put that there, if, if the reports say, you know, are true and what happened... But how the hell did he get his arms around Gomez's head? For me, it's got to be Gomez. Gomez sat down. Yeah, Gomez, by the sounds of it, Gomez is... And these are all, like like Simon says, hearsay. But all the stories are the same from all the same journalists. So they've got the same source. So you've got to you've got to believe there's a degree of accuracy to it. Gomez, it was definitely Harry Maguire, wasn't he? He was just so bored of playing for United. <laughs> he thought, I need to liven this yeah. up. So basically, Gomez is the first Liverpool player to rock up in the canteen and he's going round all of the players just shaking their hands as he does. He's a 22-year-old lad who's only been in the England camp a few times. He gets over to Sterling, who's obviously been stewing over the evening despite hugging Gomez at the final whistle on the Sunday. He goes over to shake his hand. Sterling jumps up, says, so you're the big man now and get, tries to grab him round the, the neck and obviously scratches all down his face. Now, it goes from his eye all down to his neck down there. So yeah. he's obviously gone for that. Um, and initially the lads thought it was banter when he said that but obviously it became apparent that it wasn't he was torn apart um, by the squad and then Henderson Gomez have kind of interjected on his behalf to make sure he wasn't sent home then Gomez gets booed by England fans yeah and everyone and everyone's come out and, and I thought whatever you think about Raheem Sterling the fact that he got onto Twitter as soon as he possibly could the is class the second one is goodbye Sterling so coming out and defending Joe, saying that the boom was wrong, that's yeah. good. His first social media post almost tried to paint himself out as the victim. His first one. It was the worst apology to Joe Gomez I've ever seen. It wasn't even really an apology. He just said, emotions run high and it was it was my fault, basically. He didn't, yeah, he didn't, but... he didn't really apologise to go, uh, Joe. And this is the problem. The first status that he brought out after it fed the media who weren't completely sure initially how what had gone on yeah. it fed that so you've got the likes of idiots like James Ducker of the Telegraph Adrian Durham on TalkSport initially trying to shift the blame from Sterling onto anyone but Sterling so like the, the atmosphere at Anfield almost Adrian Durham basically said Joe Gomez should have the same punishment meted out to him as Raheem Sterling what for being attacked and basically what happened was this was fed during the week and some of the fans inside Wembley heard this, didn't like that Sterling had been dropped, didn't like that Gomez hadn't, and Gomez got booed. So Conveniently forgetting that, it's only been the the recent 
amount of time that Sterling's put in the performances you'd expect. Well, he's moment. got a wonderful PR machine. Right? I mean, you Sterling. look at 2018; he was abysmal. Like, last, I'd say last, last year, year. Last year or so, he's been brilliant. But what I would say is his PR machine is brilliant, and that's why a lot of those in the media have tried to kind of shield him from this 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 blame because they were the ones who jumped on the bandwagon. And they're the ones who fed this. And they're the ones who got Joe, Mez, Joe Gomez booed the other night. And it's absolutely disgraceful. You hear about stories about his, his family being inconsolable. Gomez being absolutely devastated. Gomez has been booed for two reasons. One, because he's not the media darling that Raheem Sterling is. And two, because he's a Liverpool player. That's exactly why. That's exactly why. And the funny thing is, those morons who were inside Wembley, those probably Southern-based fans, don't forget, well, they do forget, that Joe Gomez is a Southern lad. He's from London. He's a London lad. They booed a London lad onto that field. England fans, you are absolute jeffing morons. Absolute morons. And yeah, if lads at work hear this and they say I'm losing my my head, I am losing my head because it's pathetic. And this is why Liverpool fans like myself have a complete disconnect with with the national team and the country as a whole. Because we refuse to stand side by side with idiots like that. There you go, Simon. <laughs> Thoughts unpacking that. Just don't unpack it. Don't um, don't unpack it. What I will just, say just is send it. Signed. Raheem Sterling has done a lot to try and change his regenerate his image. Yeah, and I think I generally do think Raheem Sterling is is a good lad at heart. I just think he sometimes. I think he's a child. I think he's, I th- yeah, I think, I think he's, he's a child. I think his initial reaction to things probably could be better. Oh, he's an angry little child. But I th- I th- for me, I think he's got a good PR team around him, as you've said, and, and one that have helped him immensely over the last few years. But I think, for me, um, the last thing I can say about this is he's a man who, with whatever he does, the only thing he can do is, is shoot from the leg. <laughs> and on that, we bra, will bra. end this. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. We'll end this podcast. It has been an hour and what twenty minutes of no way. We've had a lot to. Unpack. No one's going to listen to an hour and twenty minutes. People have a really long commute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, Phil, <laughs> if you have stuck around with us, thank you very much for listening. Um, we know we are not as regular as we were last season. Um, the main reason being it's hard to get together when you when you work yeah life gets in the way children sometimes. well one child yeah not mine thankfully I still, <laughs> yeah. I still have a life um, <laughs> but yeah we still really enjoy doing this again if and I say this every podcast if you want to talk at us and tell Stephen that he's Raheem Sterling, Liverpool, disconnect from England. They should, they should <laughs> get a big saw out and cut themselves off and sail down the Mersey. Yeah. If you want to talk about that, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> says the man who's twenty miles away from it. Um, if you want to talk to us, find us on Twitter at Terrence Podcast. Um, we are going to the Chorley game in a week's time. Yep, Chorley um, versus Torquay, isn't it? It is. Um, that's obviously more regular. We're doing that pretty much every month or so um, if you could give that a listen we would be really uh, what's the word I'm looking for grateful appreciative appreciative yeah um, if you have made it all the way through this podcast congratulations um, I'll send you medals in the post I think we need to do that especially when I was reading out all those fixtures yeah could have cut that bit out Simon come on 
I might speed it up double when I'm uh, when I do the edit. Yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might knock about thirteen seconds off. Maybe <laughs> it doesn't seem worth it for that, does it? No. No. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you. I can't say next week because that's catch not you next true. time. Next time on the Out of Times podcast. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Bye.